0: I'll just keep uh, reading and just pretend that this is fine. 195, Tipitaka part 123, in which, out of the blue, uh, some noise starts coming right outside where it was completely silent just a few minutes ago. Great timing, guys. Sorry. In which also, in addition to that, I will continue reading, uh, Tipitaka the Rikuni Vibhanga, or Rules for Nuns. You can click there if you want to start at the beginning of the Rules for Nuns. Uh, These are the Pakitiya rules, and we will be starting today with Rule 61. If you would like to start at the beginning of the Tipitaka recitals, which will introduce the uh, Vinaya Pitaka and then go into the Rules for Monks for 100 episodes or so you can click right there So um, I'm gonna assume that whoever's watching or listening to this has heard the previous episode um, Yeah, that kind of brought up a lot of stuff that we talked about last year in the flashback where uh the, the thing I had kind of completely forgotten, the eight important rules for nuns. Now, we haven't gotten into anything in the scriptures yet that explains this, but my understanding from how it's been explained to me by my teachers in the past is that originally when Lord Buddha started teaching, he was teaching monks. He was teaching men and... Uh, I think a relative of his, maybe even his aunt, his aunt, depending on how you pronounce that, um, or uh, someone, someone related to him wanted to join and be a nun. Be a, and uh, he refused, and then Ananda talked him into it, saying, Hey, women are sentient beings too, you can help save more beings. And he was saying, It's just a lot of problems come up that we can avoid if we just have it men only, it'd be much simpler. And eventually Ananda convinced him, uh, but in order to, you know, uh, smoothly facilitate having an order of nuns as well as an order of monks, Lord Buddha instituted the eight important rules, which were the ones that we talked about in the previous episode. Now, one thing that I found very sweet is when I was researching um, to figure out when it was that those rules were brought up so that I could go find which episode it was from last year and then get the clip of me reciting it last year in New Delhi with the honking horns outside. Um, when I was doing that, I uh, I also read that modern Theravadan orders, many modern Theravadan orders, uh, say that the eight important rules were not the teachings of Lord Buddha because they're obviously very sexist, obviously placing nuns on a level below monks. And since Lord Buddha is enlightened, as we all know, then it couldn't have been Lord Buddha. He did not say that. They just erased that part because clearly, It must have been added by some chauvinist later on. I love that. I mean, I don't think they're right, but it's sweet and I understand where they're coming from. And uh, I also, especially when I first read them last year, was struggling with that and uh, it kind of, you know, took me a while to come to accept that, okay. As is stated at the beginning of the Vinaya Pitaka, Lord Buddha wanted this order to last for a long time, and a lot of the concerns that come up in this very grounded, down-to-earth situation, historical recording of when you know the man Siddhartha Gautama who attained enlightenment and became known as Lord Buddha, uh, the issues that would come up had to do with people talking. People would say how can these monks behave this way? And he would say, okay, we can't have people saying, how can these monks behave this way? So he would gather everyone together and in a very specific way, he would outline the new rule. He would define every word in the rule. And it seems very king-like. And of course, uh, before he left, I think he was 29, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So for a long time, he had seen, he had witnessed the proceedings of a royal court. He had seen his father act as the uh, the judge in a lot of uh, ancient situations. There wasn't a separate, like in, in modern uh, representative democracies, you have the judicial, uh, you have the judge the judges separate from the executive, <clears throat> but in ancient times, like in the case of Moses and Leviticus... Uh, he was the, the leader, but he was also the the judge. So whenever there was an issue, they would come to him and he would determine what the rules should be. So, um, yeah, that would have been the case in, um, in his father's kingdom. And he had seen that done many times. And that seems to be how he approached um, this, this aspect of the original Sangha, the very down-to-earth... Um, part that we've been reading for the past year and a half or so. Anyway, I want to get to the reading today, so I won't talk too much longer. But, um, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to mention was um, I often talk with my wife, as you know, that's uh, my wife and I. I'm sure I found some clip to show you. Um, I live here in India. She, her family, all branches of her family are from uh, what's presently called Bihar, which is the same area. Now it's a state, but back then it was the area in which most of, like 90% or more of, of these uh, stories are taking place whenever it talks about Rajgir, Rajgaha, or, uh, you know, the Banyan Monastery, or all of these different places, uh, Sabati and and uh, <clears throat> Kapilavatu, whatever, everything. <clears throat> these are... When she, you know, tells me stories about, oh well, you know, my grandparents on my mom's side were from this area, and on my dad's side were from this area, and I grew up here and I went to school there. It's the same areas. A lot of them have different names now, but uh, honestly, when 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 we had our first date almost six years ago now, um, I was impressed. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I have to admit, I was I was a little bit impressed to imagine that, you know, um, her family goes back really far in that region, and it's entirely likely that she has ancestors that would have, um, you know, obviously monks and nuns didn't uh, have children, but they may have been the brother or sister of her direct ancestors. So that's, that's a trip to me. Um, Being myself from a land where my ancestors, (laughs) frankly, didn't belong, um, California, and my uh, my my ancestors were among the first who looked like me to migrate to that area. Uh, But yeah, there was someone else there before the Spanish and uh, obviously the First Nations peoples. So I never had the feeling of having roots. Briefly when I was, I mean briefly for a few years when I was a teenager, which was back in the 1990s, that dates me a little bit. I uh, became very interested in the Celtic and Druidic traditions of ancient pre-Christian, uh, pre-Romanized uh, British Isles. And, uh, you know, found, found a little bit of a sense of roots there. But uh, mostly I was drawn even back then to the teachings of Lord Buddha. But, um, never even stopped to ponder what it might be like to actually feel rooted in that way in an ancestral way to um, to Lord Buddha and I feel that vicariously through her right or wrong, it's probably wrong. I'm just sharing um, my path with you if you're interested it's not It's not really relevant to uh, to the teachings. I'll get to the teachings in a moment, but um when I told her about uh, this rule, whatever nuns should learn worldly knowledge, there is an offense of expiation. Uh, yesterday, she said, of all the rules you've told me about, that one I hate the most. Uh, you know, all these rules about m- nuns must be subservient to monks, nuns must not raise their voice to monks, nuns must always, you know, bow to monks, even if they've only been a monk for a day and she's been a nun for a hundred years. Those are all bothersome, but that rule is the most, most bothersome. And I said, why? And she said, is there a rule that monks can't learn? And I, a light bulb went off in my head, and I realized, no. No, there isn't. There's only a rule that nuns aren't allowed to learn secular things. They're only supposed to focus on, uh, on the teachings of Lord Buddha, with the two exceptions of uh, it's fine if they learn to read and write, and it's also fine if they learn to do a magic spell for protection, which is honestly something I wouldn't have expected to find in the pre-sectarian early Buddhist literature, but it's interesting learning every day that I'm doing this. And uh, so, yeah, that's something I just wanted to bring up that uh I didn't catch what didn't didn't put two and two together when I first read it, but now that she's pointed it out, yeah that that's also bothersome so you know i'm uh, I'm here to read it, I want to read it. I have great reverence and respect for uh, Buddhism and Buddhist history, but I'm also not gonna you know close my eyes and and uh, and refuse to see. Things that are that are not good when I when I read them, and I can totally understand where the modern Theravadins are coming from in saying, "This isn't Lord Buddha. It can't be. It couldn't be because he's good, and we love him, and uh, you know the the idealized image of him is more real than this real man uh, that that became." that idealized image. I mean, they don't say that part, I'm saying that part. But, And then I can also understand why in uh, uh, Mahayana and Vajrayana, they say, you know what, um, the Tipitaka is good, just skip the vinaya-pitaka, basically be a good person. It's common sense stuff. Uh, you don't need to read every rule, you can just kind of move on to the teachings. I understand where they're coming from as well, in recommending that because it would be certainly easy to um, get sidetracked and disappointed and kind of have a crisis of faith if that applies here uh, in in really sitting down and reading and thinking about every rule and going why though if he's if he's enlightened why is he making these rules in this way and the answer is because it was 2,600 years ago and uh, you know, he came from a, a, a king lineage, and he also was concerned about what the neighbors are going to think. And the world wasn't ready for someone to come along and say, "Men and women are perfectly equal here. We make no distinctions," like some kind of Osho commune or something. Um, and if that existed in among the uh, Shramana uh, traditions of sixth century BC than it would have been among the 61 or 62 sects that we know nothing about. <clears throat> and uh, so there it is. I hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to share some of that stuff and hopefully never talk about it again on this program. I'll go ahead and begin the reading for today. Expiation, pakitia 61. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anata Pindika's monastery. You might have noticed this microphone here is a little closer. You can see it now. I'm hoping that the audio quality of this one will be a bit better. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now, at that time, nuns ordained a pregnant woman. She walked for alms. People spoke thus. Quote, give alms food to the lady. The lady is heavy with child. And quote. The people, three dots, spread it about saying, quote, how can the nuns ordain a pregnant woman? And quote. Here's kind of an example of the people in the area are shocked that, They ordained a pregnant woman. I personally see nothing wrong with ordaining a pregnant woman, and clearly the nuns who initiated her saw nothing wrong with it, but we're about to hear the establishing of a rule against becoming a nun when you're pregnant. Okay. I'll keep reading. Nuns heard these people who, three dots, spread it about. Those who were modest nuns, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, how can these nuns ordain a pregnant woman and quote three dots <laughs> on the other hand, as we learned, as we were reminded yesterday in the eight important rules, a, a nun must be a novice for two full years before she becomes fully ordained as a nun. And, uh, those of us who are a little, little, just a little bit good at math can realize that, uh, if she's an ordained nun and she's pregnant. She must have become pregnant while she was a novice in uh, the order of nuns. So, all right, I'll keep reading. Quote, is it true, as is said, monks, that nuns ordained a pregnant woman? End quote, quote, it is true, Lord, end quote, the enlightened one. The Lord rebuked them, saying, quote, how, monks, can nuns ordain a pregnant woman? it is not monks for pleasing those who are not parentheses yet end parentheses pleased three dots this rule of training whatever nun should ordain a pregnant woman there is an offense of expiation end quote one nice thing about it is that the rules of expiation are not big rules there's the big rules right don't become pregnant while being a nun is a big rule. That's one of the rules you get kicked out for, um, you know, don't uh, falsely accuse, uh, your fellow nun, uh, about being guilty of, uh, of a big rule. Don't, uh, lie about when you know she's guilty of a big rule. Don't pretend you don't know that that's a big rule, a fairly big rule. I think it might be one of the big, big rules actually. Um, But here, a few tiers down, these fourth-level rules, like misdemeanor, Um, so it's a misdemeanor to uh, ordain a woman who's pregnant. And note that it's the nuns who ordained her that's getting in; that the rule is being established against, not the pregnant nun herself. And she's not being kicked out. He's just trying to decrease the amount of uh, times that this happens. Okay. All right. Just pointing that out. Whatever means three dots, none means three dots. Pregnant woman means she is called entered by beings. I'll just keep reading. Should ordain means should confer the upasampada ordination. If she thinks, quote, I will ordain, parentheses, her, and parentheses, and looks about for a group or for a woman teacher or for a bull, or for a robe, or if she determines a boundary, there is an offense of wrongdoing. As a result of the motion, there is an offense of wrongdoing. As a result of two proclamations, there are offenses of wrongdoing. At the end of the proclamations, there is an offense for the woman perceptor and an offense of wrongdoing for the group and for the woman teacher. If she thinks that she is pregnant when she is pregnant, parentheses, and, parentheses, ordains her. There is an offense of expiation. If she is in doubt, three dots. Offensive wrongdoing. If she thinks that she is not pregnant when she is pregnant, parentheses, and, end parentheses, ordains her, there is no offense. I mean, that's reasonable, right? They didn't have pregnancy tests back then. so if She doesn't know, She's like, oh, it looks like she's got a little bit of a, maybe she ate too much, whatever, you know. Then There's no, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't know she was pregnant. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if she thinks that she is pregnant when she is not pregnant, there is an offensive wrongdoing. Right, because you thought you were doing something wrong, even though you weren't. If she is in doubt as to whether she is not pregnant, there is an offensive wrongdoing. So if you're suspicious and you ordain her anyway, then that's a wrongdoing but not an offense of expiation. If she thinks that she is not pregnant when she is not pregnant, there is no offense, obviously, but it's stated. So, there it is. There is no offense if she ordains a pregnant woman thinking that she is not pregnant. If she ordains a woman who is not pregnant thinking that she is not pregnant, if she is mad, if she is the first wrong. Rule. Expiation Pakitiya, 62. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Sabati in the Jetta Grove in Anatta Pindika's monastery. Now at that time, nuns ordained a woman giving suck. Okay, so just right away, I'm 100% certain that this means that she is lactating. And in the 1930s, people were more innocent, as exemplified uh, in the appendix of the first rule, where it said that no Western person could uh, hear these words <laughs> that, of course, you know, children hear on, uh, on, on TV now if they click, yes, I'm an adult, you know, right? Okay, I'll just keep uh, reading, and just pretend that this is fine. She walked for alms. People spoke thus, comma, I mean, <laughs> quote, give alms food for the lady. The lady has a companion. End quote. The people, three dots, spread it about saying, quote, how can nuns, three dots, uh, see 61 instead of pregnant woman, read woman giving suck. and parentheses, three dots, quote, Quote, three dots, this rule of training. Whatever none should ordain a woman giving suck. There is an offense of expiation, and quote. Whatever means, three dots, none means, three dots. Woman giving suck means she is a mother or a foster mother, right? Because it's possible to. Should ordain means, three dots, <clears throat> Parentheses, 61, read, if she thinks that she is a woman giving suck when she is a woman giving suck, if she thinks that she is not a woman giving suck, etc. Ms Miss Horner didn't want to translate that, and I, I understand. I have compassion for Miss Horner. And parentheses, three dots. If she is the first wrongdoer. So that's rule 62. It's burned into our brains. What's pocketia 62 for nuns? Right, that one. Let's move on. Okay, Expiation, Pakitiya 63. <clears throat> now, at that time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetagrove Grove in Anattapindika's monastery. Now, at that time, nuns ordained a probationer who had not trained for two years in the Six Rules. And those who saw the previous episode now know what this is referring to. I had forgotten until I did the editing, or editor Edward did the editing. These were ignorant, inexperienced. They did not know what was allowable or what was not allowable. Those who were modest nuns, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, How can these nuns ordain a probationer who has not trained for two years in the sixth rules and quote three dots quote is it true as is said monks that nuns three dots in the six rules end quote quote it is true lord and quote the enlightened one the lord rebuked them saying quote how monks can these nuns ordain three dots in the six rules it is not monks for pleasing those who are not parentheses yet end parentheses pleased three dots, end quote. and having rebuked them, having given reasoned talk, he addressed the monks, saying, quote, "I allow you, monks, to give a probationer the agreement as to training for two years in the six rules, and thus monks, should it be given." That probationer, having approached the order, having arranged her upper robe over one shoulder, having honored the feet of the nuns, having sat down on her haunches, having saluted with joined palms, should speak thus. Quote unquote, ladies, I, so-and-so, a probationer under the lady so-and-so, request the order. For the agreement as to training for two years in the six rules, end quote within quotes. And a second time it should be requested, three dots, all that same stuff again. And the th- a third time it should be requested. The order should be informed by an experienced, competent nun, saying, quote within quotes, ladies, let the order listen to me. This parentheses woman and parentheses so and so. A probationer, under the lady so-and-so, requests the order for the agreement as to training for two years in the six rules. If it seems right to the order, let the order give the probationer so-and-so the agreement as to training for two years in the six rules. This is the motion. Ladies, let the order listen to me. This, parenthesis, woman, and parenthesis, so-and-so, three dots. Requests, three dots, for two years in the six rules. If the giving to the probationer so-and-so of the agreement as to training for two years in the six rules is pleasing to the ladies, let them be silent. If it is not pleasing, they should speak. The agreement as to training for two years in the six rules is given to the probationer so-and-so, and it is right three dots. So do I understand this, end quote within quotes, end quote. That probationer should be told, quote, speak thus, quote within quotes, I undertake for two years not to transgress the resolution of abstinence from onslaught on creatures. I undertake three dots abstinence from taking what is not given three dots abstinence from unchastity, three dots, abstinence, from lying, three dots, abstinence, from occasions for sloth, parentheses arising from, end parentheses, fermented liquor and spirits and strong drink, I undertake for two years not to transgress the resolution of abstinence from eating at the wrong time, end quote, end quotes, end quotes. So there's the oath, then the Lord, having rebuked these nuns in many a figure for their weakness in maintaining themselves, three dots, quote, three dots, and thus monks let the nuns set forth this rule of training, whatever nun should ordain a probationer who has not trained for two years in the six rules, there is an offense of expiation, and quote, whatever means Three dots, none means three dots. Two years means two years. Has not trained means either the training is not given or the training is given, parentheses but and parentheses is interrupted. Should ordain means three dots, parentheses 61. And oh, right, that definition was given in the previous or a few rules ago and parentheses three dots and an offensive wrongdoing for the group and for the woman teacher if she thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is a legally valid act and parentheses and and parentheses ordains her there is an offensive expiation if she is in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act three dots if she thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is a legally valid act, three dots, offensive of expiation. If she thinks that it is a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she is in doubt as to whether it is not a legally valid act, three dots, if she thinks that it is not a legally valid act when it is not a legally valid act, there is an offense of wrongdoing. There is no offense if she ordains a probationer who has trained for two years in the six rules if she is mad, if she is the first wrongdoer. I'm going to close there for today. Um, And uh, I do look forward to finishing all six of these books and getting to the teachings of Lord Buddha, but again as I said I don't want to skip them and uh, I uh, hope that you learn something today and I can definitely relate with the emotional state of the howling dogs outside um, as I read and contemplate some of these subjects and ideas And. Uh, I hope that you are doing well. Um, For anyone who's watching from Sikkim, I hope that you and everyone you know and love, friends and family, are safe from the flooding. And um, I will go ahead and do the usual closing prayer. To the north and to the south, To the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy, may all beings be serene, may all beings be Don't time.